I hope you all had a wonderful week and that you're doing well. Little Joey was going to Sunday school, and on his way home from church, he said to his dad, Dad, I, I need to ask you a question. Of course, his father said, sure, what's your question? He says, Dad, my Sunday school teacher were, was teaching us about the children of Israel. Is it true that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea? His father said, well, yes, it is. It sounds amazing, but they did cross the Red Sea. He says, okay, is it true that the children of Israel built the tabernacle? His father says, that's right, son. They built it. They used the materials. It was hard work. He says, well, is it true that the children of Israel offered sacrifices to God? His father says, well, that's right. It's true. Why are you asking? Is it that hard for you to believe? Little Joey said, well, Dad, I don't understand why they had to do all that. What did all the grown-ups do? <laughs> the children of Israel. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, this morning we thank you once again for this opportunity to be into your house, to worship you and to hear from you. And Lord, indeed, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your word, that you would help your scripture to come alive, and that you indeed would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of this message this morning is God's Presence Even in the Fire. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. And most likely this is a passage of scripture that you've heard before or were even taught in Sunday school growing up. And we won't start at the beginning. I'm going to summarize a little bit and then we'll pick up um, reading from verse 13. But there was a king named King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar decided that he was going to have an image of gold built. And so he had this image of gold built. And he issued a decree that everyone in the land, when they heard the different kinds of music, the flute and the harp and the lair and the zither, all the kinds of music, they were commanded to bow down and to worship this image of gold, to worship this statue. So everyone in the land knew that this was what was required of them whenever they heard the music. Now, some of the government officials went to King Nebuchadnezzar and told him, there are some government officials who have a high position in the land. However, they are Jewish men, and when they hear the music, they're not paying attention to the issue that you have decreed, and they're not bowing down and worshiping this image of gold. And so he wanted to know who these men were. Well, none other than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So picking up from verse 13, and we'll read verse 13 to 15 to start. So from verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? 
Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lair, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? King Nebuchadnezzar was not just upset. He wasn't just angry, but the scripture says that he was furious with rage. He was furious with rage. He was so angry and upset that these men disregarded him and they were deciding that they were not going to bow down and worship his images. They were not going to do this. Why was he so upset? It's because they took a stand and they said, we believe in something greater and better and we are not about to bow down to you or any image or statue. But they understood that God alone was to be worshiped. And we are to worship God alone. We are to worship him in spirit and in truth. We are to give him all of our worship because he alone is worthy. And in verse 13 to 15, it says that right there, that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to worship him, but they choose and they chose that they were going to worship God alone. And that's the first point this morning, to worship God alone. In Second Chron- in First Chronicles, I'm sorry, verse 16 to 25, the scripture says, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. He is to be feared above all gods. That's not meaning that we are to be afraid of God, but we are to have a reverence for God, that we are to worship him and understand that there is nothing that goes before him and there's nothing that will ever come after him. And God wants us to understand that he is God and God alone. And there is nothing else that can ever come close to the importance that God has in our life. And the first two commandments in Exodus chapter 20. God is serious when he says, these are the first two commandments. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. And number two, you shall not make yourself idols. You're to have no other gods and you are not to make idols. The first two commandments, God lays it down. There's no compromise. And he says, worship me alone. Worship me alone. You see, God is not a God who wants to share his throne. He's not a God who desires to share his worship. But he is saying, I am worthy to be praised. And we are to give him that worship. Now, you may think to yourselves, well, I don't go home and bow down to an image, so I'm good. I don't have to worry about that. But, you know, there are so many things that can creep into our lives that can begin to take first place and begin to take top priority without us even realizing it. Some of those things can sometimes be our job. Our job can sometimes take top priority or our career or our education, maybe even our spouse or our children or our home or our accomplishments or making money or our boyfriend or our girlfriend. It could even be sports. It could even be something that you do in your leisure time, things that you collect. It could be whatever it is. But you need to understand that nothing is to take top priority in your life. You are to give it to God. 
And if you're not sure if there is something in your life, then think about this. What do you spend the most time, the most effort and energy, and the most money on? And whatever that is, that is what you're worshiping. And God is saying, forget about those things. They're good to a certain extent, but if they start to take priority over your worship with me, if we watch more TV than we pray and read our Bibles, there's a problem there. If we're going out every weekend, but we decide we're not going to go to church because we're too tired, there's a problem there. If we decide that we're only going to go to church and worship God and call on his name when it's convenient for us or we have an issue, then there's a problem there. God is saying to worship me. Don't worship when it's convenient. Don't worship when you need something from me. Don't even worship because you want to get attention from other people, but worship me because I am worthy to be praised. <laughs> worship God alone. You see, in the story with Abraham and Sarah, what did they desire more than anything that they couldn't have? A son, a son Isaac. God gave them that son Isaac after waiting so many years, after waiting so long. And what did he ask Abraham to do? Sacrifice that son. It's not that God was being cruel. It wasn't that God wanted to take away their joy. It wasn't that he wanted Isaac dead, but he wanted to make sure that the thing that they wanted the most, the thing that they desired and prayed for and hoped for and loved, still was not first place in their lives, but he was. And Abraham showed his obedience in, in doing that act, but God spared Isaac's life. He spared him because he wanted to test him. So what is it that you're worshiping? Are you worshiping God Almighty? Or is there something in your life that you're spending more time, more energy, giving more priority to? This morning, know that we are to worship God alone. And maybe this morning and maybe today, you need to ask God, Lord, help remove those things in my life that are keeping me and holding me back from giving you the worship that you deserve. God, remove those things or help me to minimize them and not give them priority over worshiping you. God wants first place in our lives. He doesn't want to share. He doesn't want to compromise. But he says, worship me alone. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood that. They understood that there is nothing that comes close to God and God alone. And they were willing to worship him and willing even to risk their lives. And so they did not bow down. And so from verse 16, we see 16 and 17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king." You see, Nebuchadnezzar basically just told them, if you don't bow down and worship these idols, if you don't bow down and worship the statue, then I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you into the blazing furnace, and you're going to die. A very painful, a very torturing death. 
But what was their response? We're not going to do it. <laughs> we are not going to bow down and worship any idols that you put in front of us because the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it because he is faithful if we are faithful to him. God is faithful. And even in the midst of the fire, even in the midst of the opposition against King Nebuchadnezzar, they were not willing to compromise. They were not willing to, to stand and say, we, we will bow down and worship, but they're willing to stand up for what they believed in simply because they knew that God had the ability to deliver them. And we as Christians also need to know that. Know that God is able to help you in your time of need. God is able to help you in your time of need. He is able to deliver us. He's able to heal us. He's able to help restore. He is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. God is able to help us. And that's point number two this morning that God is able to help you in your time of need. We all know that God is powerful. We know that God is all-knowing, that he's always present, that he's always there, that he's more than able. God is able to help us. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to know that even when we don't understand, he is there. That in the midst of the hardships that we go through, that in the midst of the trials that we face, in the midst of the fire that we go through, he is there. And there is no need to fear. There's no need to fear because in Psalm 27 verses 1 and 3, the scripture tells us, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Why? Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. I will be confident. When all of these things come against me, when all of these things in my life seem to be going wrong, when I don't understand, when everyone is against me, I will not fear. I will be confident because you are with me. I will be confident because you are there. I will be confident because I know that you you are able to help me. I will be confident. Confident because God is on my side. What is it that you're going through right now? that you need confidence in, that you need God to remind you that he is there, that he is able to help you. Maybe your job situation right now isn't the best, and you need to leave it in God's hands and say, God, help me. God, you need to give me that confidence because you are there. Work out my job situation for me. Help me. Maybe problems in your family, maybe problems with your spouse or your children. Say, God, you're on my side. God, you are on our side. When things come against our family, when things come against my marriage, when things are coming against my children, God, you are still on my side. Help me, Lord. Maybe it's issues at work. Maybe it's issues finding employment or issues with coworkers. Whatever it is, he is on your side. Maybe it's a health challenge that you're going through right now that you need to say, God, I'm in the midst of this and I don't understand because 
because instead of getting better, I just seem to be getting worse. God, remind me that you are on my side. Remind me that you are there. Remind me, God, that you are able. Maybe it's a financial burden that you're going through. Know that he knows, he sees, and that he is the great provider for us. Whatever it is, know that God is able to help you in your time of need. He is able to help us, and he is willing to help us. We need to call upon the name of the Lord. We need to call upon him and know that he is able. These men had full confidence that God was able. Full confidence that even if they were put in that fire, God was able to deliver them. And then in verse 18, they say, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if God chooses not to rescue us from that fire, we are still not going to do what you want us to do because it is an act against God. You see, it could have been so much easier for them to just cooperate it. And even if they didn't believe, just bow down and worship the idol. And I'm sure people who were on the onlook just thought, these stupid men, just bow down, worship the idol, and that's all you have to do. But they knew that it was against what they believed. They knew that they were not going to bow down because God did not want them to. They knew that they were not going to give their worship to anyone else. And so they stood firm. They stood firm and they were willing to risk their lives. And in the same way, God wants us to stand firm in our faith no matter the cost. Point number three, stand firm in your faith no matter the cost. They were willing to pay the ultimate price, their life. They were willing to give that up because they truly believed in the cause that they were standing for. They truly believed that they were going to worship God no matter what the cost, simply because they believed in God and they decided to worship him alone. Mark chapter 8, verse 35 says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. You see, when we're only concerned about ourselves, then we're not allowing God to have full control of us and our circumstances and our life. And we're blessed in North America. We are so blessed to be able to come to church, to worship freely, to pray, to read our Bible, to share our faith if we want to. We're, we're so blessed that, you know, persecution maybe in, to some degree, but not to the extent that it is in world areas where people's lives are being risked and they're in danger simply because they say that they believe in Jesus Christ. And we are so blessed. But here's the thing. In different areas of our life, there are sacrifices that are to be made for us to stand firm in our faith. There are certain costs to following Jesus. Costs like maybe giving up certain friends in your life who are not adding anything good, but who are in fact causing you to stumble. 
There are certain costs to following Jesus, like maybe letting go of that boyfriend or girlfriend who's leading you into temptation and who is not helping you to serve the Lord. There are certain costs to following Jesus, like maybe giving up that job and saying, I can't because you're asking me to do something that I don't believe in and that goes against the integrity that I have. Maybe the cost of following Jesus is saying that I won't do this or I will do this no matter what the cost. You see, following Jesus requires sacrifice, requires us giving up something or doing something that we may not want to do, but we know is required of us. These men understood They understood what they were doing. They understood because they were willing to pay the ultimate price their life. Are you and I willing to pay the price to follow Jesus? Are we willing to stop gossiping? Are we willing to stop cheating? Are we willing to stop lying? Are we willing to stop doing the things that are hindering our walk? Are we willing to stop doing that which stands in the way of us completely following him. They were willing to do that. Why? Why were they willing to do that? Simply because they truly believed. They truly believed in the cause that they were standing for. And you see, when we kneel before God and we get on our knees, then we're able to stand before anyone because God is on our side. When he is with us, We are the majority. When God is on our side, there is no need to fear because he is with us. He is with us. And the scripture says in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that the Bible is the most banned book in any world country? The Bible is the most banned book. You don't see, you know, the Disney characters being banned. You don't see storybooks or or this novel or that novel. But the Bible is banned. Why? Simply because the Bible is alive. The Bible is alive and active. It is the only book that has the power to change and to, to transform and to bring conviction. It is the only book that gives life and tells us the meaning of life. It is the only book that leads us and prepares us for eternity. It is the only book. It is the only book that has the God's power within. The Bible the Bible? Do you truly believe in the power that God has? Do you truly believe? Are you truly sold out for Jesus to know that I will follow you no matter what the cost? I will follow you even in the face of opposition. I will follow you even if my life is at risk. If someone put a gun to your head and say, say that you don't believe in Jesus or you will die, what is your response? Will you deny Christ to live? Or will you live abundantly for eternity because you have accepted him? See, if we deny Christ in front of men, then he will deny us in front of his father. But if we accept him, then he will accept us. Choose to follow Christ no matter what the cost. These men displayed an unshakable faith. They displayed a powerful faith in their response to King Nebuchadnezzar. They were not rude. They were not harsh. They were not disrespectful. But they were firm in what they believed. 
And they knew that they were going to pay a price, but they feared God and not man. From verse 19, then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. They fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. You see, the punishment that they were to receive was even worse. King Nebuchadnezzar was so angry that he said, heat the furnace seven times hotter. They are going to get the ultimate punishment that even the soldiers that brought them to throw them in the furnace, it says they died because the heat was so severe. It was so hot. And it was so bad. Yet in the midst of the fire, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar saw that they were walking around. And not just them, but four men they saw. When he called them out and they came out, the scripture is clear that it's not a fairy tale. This happened. That there was not even a hair on their head that was singed. There was no smell of smoke. They were unharmed. Why? Because God was with them. Because God was on their side. What a miracle. Because of their great faith, their trust, and their obedience, they were spared. God won't always save us from the fire, but he will make sure that we don't get burned. He will not always keep us from going through that hard time in our life. He will not always allow us not to go through that painful experience, but he will make sure that in the midst of it, he is with us and we will not be burned. We will not be burned. Verse 19 and 27 say that. These men went through the fire. They weren't spared from it, but they had to go in it. But yet in the midst of the fire, they were not harmed. They were not burned. The furnace was heated seven times hotter, but yet it did nothing to them. And you may be asking God, 
God, why is it that I'm going through that difficult time? God, why is it that I'm in the midst of this hard time right now? Why am I going through this health challenge? Why am I going through this job situation? Why am I going through this family crisis? Why am I going through this death in the family? Why am I going through this, um, this problem in my relationship? Why, why, why? You see, God never promised that it was going to be an easy journey, but he did promise that he was going to be with us. He did promise that he was going to be with us. And sometimes we need to go through the fire in order for God's glory to be revealed in our life, in order for us to see God truly at work and to understand his power that is within us. But he says, even though you have to go through this, I am with you, even when I am on your side. You see, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 says, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. It doesn't say that the weapons won't form because they will, but God's promise is that they won't prosper. That even when you go through that, even when things come against you, they will not stand because he is on our side. Verse 24 and 25 are so interesting to me. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. He asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, oh, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like son of the gods. What was King Nebuchadnezzar seeing? He was seeing the presence of God with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God promises his presence. He promises that he will be there. He promises that he will not leave us or forsake us. But the presence of God is always with us. The presence of God is always with you. It is always with me. As believers, we can bet our last dollar, even though we don't bet, we can bet our last dollar that God is with us, that he is on our side. The Old Testament shows us God's presence with us. It shows us that when the Israelites were being led, they were led by God's presence in the form of a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In the tabernacle and then later the temple, God's presence was with them in the form of the Ark of the Covenant that was housed in the tabernacle and the temple. In the New Testament, God's presence was revealed in Jesus Christ, who is Emmanuel, God with us. And then later, he sent the presence of his Holy Spirit to be with us. You see, God is an intimate God. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, there is no need to fear because he is with us. There is no need to fear because God is always with you. And he promises, I will be there. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 and 3. It says, when you pass through the waters, 
when, not if, because you will, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When you go through those times, yes, you will go through them, but know that it will not overtake you, that it will not harm you, that you will come out alive because I am with you. I am with you. Psalm 23 a well-known psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. For you are with me. I will not fear when I'm going through that time, when I'm in my deepest and darkest valley, when I don't understand when I'm going to get out of it, but I will not fear, for you are with me. Joshua 1.9 have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God's presence is with us no matter where we are. The psalmist later on says, where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I go to the heavens, you are there. There is no place that we can go to escape the presence of God. He is here. He is with us. And his promise is sure that he is right there in the midst of the fire. His presence is there. And you see, we can have peace. We can have joy. We can have contentment. We can have hope. We can have all of those things, and all of those things are great. But the greatest satisfaction that we can ever have in this life is the presence of God. And joy doesn't mean anything if God is not in it. Hope doesn't mean anything if God is not in it. Peace does not mean anything if it's not the peace of God. But we have the presence of Almighty God. He is with us. He is always there. God has given us that promise that even when you are in the midst of the fire, I am there. He sits the scripture says in Malachi, as a refiner and purifier of silver. There is a story of a ladies' Bible study where they talked about the passage of scripture where God is like a refiner. He sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. And one of the ladies from the Bible study decided that she was going to call up a silversmith and find out more about the process of refining silver. So the silversmith welcomed her to come, and he started telling her about the process, about the fact that you had to take this, this piece of silver, this raw material here, and you had to put it in the fire. But the trick was that the silver needed to go right in the middle, where the flames were the hottest, in order to purify and burn away all the impurities. This woman thought about this passage of scripture of God sitting as a refiner and purifier of silver. And she asked, she said, well, so do you just sit here and watch? And he says, oh, yes. I sit here the whole time and my eye never leaves the piece of silver. She says, well, what happens if you stop watching the silver? He says, a moment too long and it will be destroyed. 
She said, well, how do you know when the silver is ready to come out? He says, oh, that's easy. When I see my image in it. When I see my image in it, the silver is ready to come out. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9 says, I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. God is the refiner. He is able to watch us, and he does not take his eye off of us. And you can be guaranteed that especially when you're going through a difficult time in your life, his eye does not come off of you. But he sits, and he is there, and he says, I am with you. I am with you. Trust me. I am with you. He sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. You see, God's fire is able to purify, to refine us, to remove the things in our life that should not be. And this morning, I want to encourage you, if there are things in your life that shouldn't be, come to the refiner's fire and ask him to burn away, to move, so that indeed you can worship God alone, so that indeed you can know that God is able to help you in your time of need, so that you can stand firm in your faith no matter what the cost. God, we pray that you would help us as your people to trust you, to look to you, to know that your ways are higher than our ways, to know that you are good all the time, to know that you are faithful even when we are not. And God, we pray that you would refine us as fire, that you would burn away the things in our life and remove that which keeps us from truly worshiping you. Lord, we give ourselves to you once again, and we say, have your way, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way. So Lord, may you challenge our hearts. May you speak to each one this morning, and may you have your way and be glorified in the powerful name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.